Hi, Survivors. I'm Bailey. And I'm Oliver. And, and this, this is Survivor, Survivor Team Go! Go. fine day pretty pretty swell I've like I said I've spent the whole morning since 8 a.m. doing research on Dylan Farrow wow. uh, I had, had four cups of coffee and I have eight pages of notes or so <laughs> I haven't counted them again it sounds to me like you're ready uh, I'm so ready I've been ready since um, I think I read her open letter back in 2014 when she like came out with it and was like really deeply deep. I guess I'm getting into the content of the episode. This is my check-in though, this is how I am. I was deeply disturbed at that time because uh, I had never known that Woody Allen, there was anything about Woody Allen that was funky at he's, all. He's real good at covering it up. And you know who loves Woody Allen and who I watched a lot of Woody Allen movies with as a kid? Your my dad. dad. <laughs> my dad also loves Woody Allen. Very upsetting. Uh, how are you, Bailey? <laughs> I'm pretty good, I think. Yeah, yeah. How's I'm your break okay. going? I, I'm on winter break now from school. Still getting emails from students about <laughs> assignments that they turned in late that they want me to grade, and I don't grade. I mean, I will accept late assignments, like, all quarter, but as soon as the quarter's over and I'm not getting paid anymore, I'm, like, done. I'm over like no i will not grade your assignments when i'm no longer getting paid and that's just what it is like dear so professor bailey you can write me as many emails as you want how can and you I can get a perfect call me a, a professor even though i'm not <laughs> even though i'm just a ta but it doesn't matter because i'm not going to i don't respond to emails once the i'm not getting paid too anymore how can i get a perfect so. a maybe that's maybe that's bad but i don't know i don't think it's bad because honestly there's too much on unpaid for work done in academia yeah i think generally yeah they're pro they're uh the santa cruz all the grad students at uc santa cruz are like um withholding their grades until they get paid more that's such a smart strategy yeah i mean but the ucs are saying it's illegal oh but collective action. I mean, I'm always on the side of people striking. I love striking. some collective action. <laughs> I know. I'm always pro. I don't know if I would strike necessarily. It's sort of like, it's kind of a bummer because I know that actually in our program and a lot of the UCs generally, the Universities of California, are much better funded than a lot of universities in the country like the last grad program that you went yeah to. um so i feel like it's almost like the more you give the more people want but then it's like that's a bad way of thinking because actually it's what you deserve and the most that grad students get paid at this school is still like under the poverty line in like the visual arts department yeah. so we shouldn't be under the poverty line as grad students no the universities have so much money and like people that work for universities get paid less and less while universities get more and more money. Yeah. And it's like, 
And I mean, they're you. They're the money goes to like embezzlements, embezzlement, and like like building buildings that nobody wants or needs. They really prioritize in at, order to like launder money through. I don't know if there's laundering money laundering going on. At your old university, they really prioritized their money making sports teams, and therefore covered a bunch of up a bunch of rape. Uh, and at this school, they are pouring the money into like like science research for like corporations well mostly for the military yeah for the military for the military industrial complex yeah it all sounds very shady and morally anyway i don't want to be too (laughs) critical of the university don't bite the hands that feed you (laughs) exactly don't bite the hands that feed you (laughs) but But also good for santa cruz but good for santa cruz and solidarity with the strikers always yeah always uh i'm sticking with the union I'm sticking with the union. I never remember the melody. I'm song. sticking with the union <laughs> till the day I die. Yep. Stick with the union. I love anyway, Woody speaking of Woody's. Oh, yeah. Speaking oh of God. Woody's, our episode today is about Dylan Farrow, as you may have gathered. Our, her featured, our featured survivor this week, this month, this year. This time. This time is Dylan Farrow. I would like to dedicate this episode to somebody. And Did you, you have know, a person in mind? In you mind? know who you are. This episode is for you. And I want you to know all about Dylan Farrow and Woody Allen and how terrible Woody Allen is and how Dylan Farrow and Mia Farrow are not crazy. And I hope you're listening. Who are you talking about? I don't know. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. It's, this is between me and someone else. Good. Who's not going to listen. So I first heard about all of this, as I said, back in... Wait, is that all our stuff? We do check-ins? Don't we have another segment? We have news and updates. News and updates. Do we have any news and updates? I don't know. I mean, Trump's getting impeached. If you weren't, like, on board with that. Um, E. Jean Carroll came forward, I think, since the last time we podcasted. Oh, I think that's true. So that's an update. Uh, E. Jean Carroll is the second person to accuse Trump of actual rape. If actual, yeah. actual, whatever actual rape means. If we're talking like, I guess, penis penetrating vagina. I don't exactly know. Penetrative rape? Penetrative rape. Question mark? Possibly. The first person to be like, he raped me. Instead of he groped me. Or Instead he of he groped me, me or he kissed me against my will or he was gross in some way. Yeah, um, which is obviously terrible. So shout out to Eugene Carroll. Uh, thank you for coming forward. Nothing but respect. Incredible woman in person. An icon. An icon. We should do an episode on her because she's really interesting. She has such a complicated life. She had a TV show. She's like written a bunch of books. She had an advice column for a long time. I am going to add her to the list right now. We have a very long list. Um, all that shit with Lisa Bloom came out, where Lisa Bloom, who represented a lot of the Trump survivors, is actually, like, working for, was working for Harvey Weinstein, and, like, tried to bribe Rose McGowan to silence her, and this is the woman that's representing all of the women that have come forward against Trump. She said she called her, she's a women's rights advocate attorney. And the daughter of Gloria Allred, who's another women's rights advocate attorney, kind of. And Lisa Bloom was, like, quoted as saying, calling her hashtag MeToo clients crazy 
liars, which is like the worst possible thing you could say to someone that's coming forward about having been sexually assaulted. So Lisa Bloom is a hor horrible bitch. Like, let's just put that out there. Um, who's probably working against survivors and not for them, but in the guise of working for them, which is really like insidious. Ronan Farrow. Also, another update since we last podcasted, Ronan Farrow, uh, his book about his writing about his time investigating the Harvey Weinstein case uh, came out. It's called Catch and Kill. Catch and Kill. Such a good title. Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. By Go get it. By Pulitzer Prize winner Ronan Farrow. Pulitzer Prize winner Ronan Farrow. Um, and uh, he wrote... Friend of the a, pod. <laughs> basically. <laughs> we love him here. Uh, we're... We write erotic friend fiction about Ronan Farrow and, uh, <laughs> and his boyfriend. Hush. They're engaged now, actually. His fiance. What's that guy's name? John Lovett. John Lovett. Ronan Farrow and John Lovett. Some people in this room write erotic friend fiction uh, no about them. No one writes it. Okay. I say you can't write fan fiction about real people because it's weird. It is but weird. There are some other really people about here them. that about don't feel that way. Anyway, I don't want to talk about this right now. <laughs> uh, but uh, Rhoda Farrow's book came out, and he in it, he talked about how Lisa Bloom was like a, a double agent. Uh, bum, bum, bum. crazy spy shit double agent he, lisa bloom that he really didn't expect to run into when he was investigating like rape charges yeah you really think rape is going to be straightforward and then you begin to realize that it's not oh no duolingo is guilt tripping me well who cares right about now. duolingo we're doing the podcast anyway so so news that's news and there was um, that book about trump's accusers that came out too oh yeah all the president's women has maybe 30 new accusers or something over 30 new accusers i haven't read it yet it's on my shelf i can't remember if we talked about this in the last episode or not but um i'm proud of myself for all the work that i have done since our last podcast i'm proud of you too i'm proud of you for all the work that you have done since our last podcast i haven't really done anything yes but you that's have cool. <laughs> thank you thank you you work really hard at the coffee shop mm -hmm. bringing joy to people's lives i you know what i have a passionate commitment to bring joy to people's people lives. always tell me how and... you brighten their day oliver works at a coffee shop on the campus where i go to school it's genuinely is a passionate commitment to bring joy to people's lives which sounds cheesy as hell but it's actually very sincere that's sweet i think that's um, any other news and updates news and updates uh what has happened so many things have happened they finally impeached trump we already said that but we already said that let's just get into dylan farrow because it's gonna be a lot i'm really obsessed with dylan farrow's case as a person who has been in denial about childhood sexual abuse i didn't know why i was so fascinated when i was reading her open letter in 2014 i thought it was maybe because of bailey <laughs> yeah and bailey's childhood sexual abuse and that was why it was so important to me to read this open letter that she had wrote, she had written in 2014. But I realize now that a lot of it was really about myself and my father's creepiness and sort of processing that via some, you know, by proxy. Uh, I remember being just like absolutely devastated when I read, read that open letter in 2014 because, like I said, didn't know. 
and I've watched a bunch of Woody Allen movies and liked them a lot back then. Cheerio, lie down. I reread it today, and I was not lie quite down. as devastated because I knew what she was going to say, but I was struck by how well-written it was uh, and how cutting it was. It was really good. It was really well done. Uh, you should all go out and read it. It's annoying, annoyingly like blocked if you've read any other New York Times articles this month. <laughs> But oh, yeah. you can find it online at this one New York Times blog. His name is um, Nicholas Kristoff, and he posted her open letter there on his site within New York Times website. I don't know. Um, cool, Google cool. it. But to give you sort of the rundown. Yeah, maybe we should give context before we get into the open letters. and To give you the rundown, back in 1992, there was this huge media craziness that happened because... Two incredibly famous superstars were like that was how this was how it was seen is they two incredibly famous superstars were battling it out in this like really messy like like kind of like a divorce but they weren't married. It was Woody Allen and Mia Farrow. There was a Vanity Fair piece published called Mia's Story in 1992 by Maureen Orth, detailing at the time I guess Mia Farrow's allegations on her daughter's behalf about how Woody Allen had sexually abused Dylan Farrow when they were alone together one time in this attic in their country house, in Mia Farrow's country. And then they, right after he was starting to be investigated, she, he sued for sole custody of their three children together. So Mia Farrow is a famous actress. Mia Farrow is a famous actress. For those of you who are not familiar, let's just like go back to basics. Mia Farrow is a famous actress. She starred in Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Uh, she's Directed by another pedophile. Starred in lots of movies. She's really famous. Look her up. If you don't recognize her name, you will, you will recognize she her face. Famously married Frank Sinatra when she was 20 years old and he was like 49. And then they got divorced two years later. And she married this composer and had some kids with him. And they got divorced. Eventually, she ended up married to Woody Allen. Not married. Not married. Together with, in a committed relationship with for Woody Allen years. for 12 years. And if you don't know who Woody Allen is, Woody Allen is a famous American director. He makes mostly comedies, but he also does drama films. And he's... What are some of his films? Annie Hall is a famous one. I saw that with my dad. Mighty Aphrodite is a famous one. I saw that with my mom. I don't know. A lot of movies. Blue Jasmine with Kate Blanchett. Uh, uh, he did. That's enough. Okay, so Woody Allen movies. He's made a lot. He's an auteur director. He's like, you know. He's really famous. So Woody Allen and Mia Farrow were together for several years, and they had adopted several children. Mia Farrow had adopted various children, and Woody Allen had uh, was in the process of adopting two of those adopted children, Moses Farrow and Dylan. They also had a biological child together, who, Ronan Farrow, who was known as Satchel at the time. And Ronan Farrow... You may have heard us talk about him before. He is a journalist. He writes for the New York, the New Yorker. He writes for a lot of publications and NBC yes. and lots and I think of also different. For the New York Times and for sometimes. the New York Times sometimes. He's a pretty Maybe. famous journalist, and he's also kind of famous for not actually being Woody Allen's son, but probably Frank but Sinatra's. probably Frank Sinatra's like illegitimate child. Because Mia, Mia Farrow Farrow. and Frank Sinatra stayed on very good terms yeah. after they got divorced. And sometimes they hooked up. 
Ronan Farrow is famously very attractive and looks a lot like Frank Sinatra. He mostly looks like his mother. And Woody Allen is famously very ugly. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He really has Frank's blue eye, piercing blue eyes, though. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that's... And if you're unaware, Ronan Farrow is dating or is now engaged to a... We already said that, but... A political... Well, but we didn't say who he was. Oh, that's true. He's a political... Podcaster? Commentator? Commentator. He used to work as a speechwriter for Hillary Clinton, and then he worked as a speechwriter for Barack Obama, and he was a member of the Obama, like... He was part of the Obama staff during the Obama era. Yeah. Uh, And he and his... Some of his other friends in the Obama staff formed a podcast called Pod Save America. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to this podcast... Shout you, out to Pod Save America. You've probably listened to Pod Save America, <laughs> which is a pretty famous podcast within the podcast world. World, yeah. Um, but shout out to Pod Save America, one of my favorite podcasts. Yeah, and and love it or leave it, love it or leave it. His spinoff comedy improv political game show. And podcast. we always we always appreciate John Lovett being supportive of survivors on Pod Save America, mostly because of his relationship to Ronan Farrow. Yeah. Who has spent his career trying to like uncover like gross rape shit. I know. I love Ro- And he, has his always nickname has always stood by his sister Dylan. Has always stood by his sister Dylan. Hashtag me too avenging angel uh, Ronan Farrow is my preferred nickname. Oh, okay. The hashtag Me Too Avenging Angel Ronan Farrow. <laughs> anyway, he's very beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot emphasize enough how beautiful Ronan Farrow is. It's like kind of difficult to look at him. <laughs> His bronzer game is very on point. Also, yeah, <laughs> he like makes jokes about how beautiful he is, though. So he has like. Chill. I mean, he's like, yeah. He's kind of short. You, yeah, I mean, <laughs> all actors are short. And he's not an actor. He's not. He's a journalist. Anyway, we love Ronan Farrow. We love John Lovett. We love Dylan Farrow. And that's, that's, so that's who these people are that we're talking about. And now Ronan Farrow is Mia Farrow's biological child. And Mia Farrow had adopted several children when she was with Woody Allen. One of them was Dylan Farrow. Yep. Adopted from Texas in 1984. She was seven years old in 1992 when she was assaulted. Who were the other friends? Ronan Farrow and, well, Ronan, well, Moses Farrow was the other child that was adopted by Woody Allen successfully. She also had adopted other children, though, both during and before and after. Mm-hmm. Well, there's one that's really important. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, with her previous husband, Andre Previn, she had adopted, she had had three biological sons and adopted three daughters, two from it always says their country of origin which i guess matters two from vietnam and and one a uh, korean girl named uh Sunyi previn who i learned of some really sad things about her that she was adopted at the age of seven after being abandoned by her prostitute mother that she had very little language and she was found speaking only gibberish that she had learning disabilities was very socially naive and literal like she wasn't able to infer sort of the undercurrents of what was being said or done around her and Woody Allen used his affair with her and later marriage to her as a smokescreen to cover up the allegations so made against let's him not, by Dylan Farrow let's not jump ahead too far let's just say 
Those are the kids. Yeah, those are the kids. Uh, we have... So, like, who's living in the house? That's hard to figure out. Uh, a lot of people. A lot of people are living in the house, but we do know that Woody, Mia, Dylan... Woody wasn't living with Mia. Okay. They never lived together. They didn't live together? No. So he was just there. He visited a lot. He visited a lot. Okay, so Mia... They had several houses each, too. It's hard, it's hard when you're talking about, like, super rich people, because... <laughs> You can't talk about the household of a super rich person. You they know, had a they household like in the country, but it was multiple like... Multiple houses. Mia's estates. house. Mia's country house where there was little baby Ronan, seven-year-old, who was like five, but uh, baby Ronan, seven-year-old Dylan, uh, and then like Lark and uh, Sun Yi and Tam, I think, were sharing a bedroom. They were three of the sisters. They were all adopted. They all of the children. Well, most of the children have said pretty consistently there wasn't really a distinction between how she treated her biological children versus her adopted children. They were all kind of loved, and they all sat around the table together, and they all helped each right. other and stuff. So let's just try to figure there was out several kids that were living there, though a lot. So let's not worry about like whether they were adopted or whether they were her biological kids. Then how many kids were there i don't know she had 14 in all eventually so she had 14 adopted kids no 14 children in all she had 14 kids eventually but she adopted at least one more later and there were some okay. that were already out of the house but like how many when ronan and dylan were there i think there were about 10 there were about 10 adopted kids uh, ch children and of one of them or children of various kinds 10 kids one of them was suni suni yes one of them was dylan one of them was Ronan. One of them was Ronan. One of them was Moses, who was a teenager. Okay, one of them was Moses. And adopted by Woody. Okay, so Moses was adopted by Woody. Moses and Dylan were both adopted by Woody. Okay, Dylan was adopted by Woody? Successfully. Okay. Yes. All right, so then what happened? I think Woody was, like, visiting sometimes between films. They had a really irregular, he had a really irregular schedule. Mia, I think, was mostly there at the country house with her kids, taking care of her kids taking them to lessons and school and all of these things. Like, she was just, like, living out her life being a mom, which is, like, seemed to be what she really loved to do. Okay. Woody sometimes visited. There were okay. babysitters. Okay. There was, all of the articles are like, there was an unspoken rule that Woody was never to be left alone with Dylan, unsupervised. For, like, several years, this was a rule. He paid too much attention to her. It was seen as, for a while, it seemed like everybody thought that it wasn't sexual but that it was too intense of parenting. Also, mm. he hated Ronan. Mm. And one time Ronan kicked him and he like twisted his leg until it, what until Ronan fuck? screamed and told him that he would break his legs next time. When Ronan was like four. Oh, my dad used to tell me he was going to break my arms all the time. That's a Nick Davenport move to grab. He used to grab my forearm and he twisted in opposite directions until I thought it was going to break. And then he'd be like, next time I'll break your arm. But it was never for any reason. He would just randomly do it. This was because Ronan kicked him, I guess. Just that, you know. I love how abusers, like, the abuser handbook, man. It's the same. Yeah. There was a lot of therapy going on. So a lot of this is coming from therapists, some of whom sided with uh, Woody Allen later on. And he was paying for all of the therapy. So that tells you something, I think. Yeah, that does tell you something. Mia really confided in some of those therapists, especially after she found the, the nude photographs of her daughter, Sunyi okay. Previn. So... Stop jumping forward. Sorry. She apparently so us, was afraid just of him. So tell us what happened. She was tell a... us what happened in chronological order. 
Let me go back to my time. Because you keep jumping forward and you're like, especially after they found the nude photographs of Suni, and it's like, what the fuck? Like, we were all just living in the house together. All right. Like, how did this happen? Because the timeline is so important because that's well, what people Sunni, say. The, the timeline of it was she found the photographs uh, before the the abuse Just of tell us what happened. Pharaoh happened. So they were living together. They weren't living they together. They weren't living together. The in kids, 1991. The kids and Mia, wait. So the kids and Mia were living together. Yes. Okay. In 1991, Woody adopts Dylan and Moses successfully. But at this same time, he was undergoing therapy for his... Let's talk about this whole timeline. (laughs) All right. In in 1977, Mia and her then-husband, Andre Previn, adopt Sunyi, who is age seven at that time. Approximately. They don't actually know how old she is. Okay, that's fine. um, She might have been five. Uh, 1979, Mia and Woody get together. In 1982, Mia's in her first film with Woody. I got this from her website. Um, and I don't remember what it was. It was like timeline. That's fine. Uh, in 1985, Mia adopts Dylan on her own. Okay. In 1987, Ronan is born. In 1991, Woody has already been acting as like a father figure to a lot of Mia's kids, including Dylan, who he's really, really obsessed with. Uh-huh. And like will sit on her bed waiting for her to wake up in the morning. Oh. He, she, he makes, he allow it says he allowed her to suck his thumb he would be in bed uh, with her in his underwear. He would put his head in her lap and, like, smell her. No. Yeah. No. No. So at this time, uh, Woody adopts Dylan and Moses. Okay. And begins his affair with Sunyi Previn, who is maybe 21, maybe 19. And she's a first-year undergrad. But it might have begun, some accounts say that, it began, that he began taking po- photographs of her when she was in late high school. Because she wanted to be a model, supposedly. Oh, okay. And he was just showing her how to do that. Okay. In, ni- in January January 13th, 1992, Mia finds nude photos of Sunyi in Woody's apartment. And now I have to go to another note because it was horrifying. The pictures of Sunyi were under a box of tissues on Alan's mantle. Each managed to contain both Sunyi's face and vagina. How old was she in these pictures? I don't know. So he had pornographic photos of his... 21-year-old daughter. 21-year-old well, daughter. Stepdaughter. I mean, stepdaughter at least. At least stepdaughter. I mean, he's been together with her mom. Since 1979 Since ish. 1979. So since she was like eight. Yep. And she's like... A developmentally he... delayed, abused yes. child. Yeah. And he's got nude photos of her under a box of tissues. Under a box of tissues. I found that detail really interesting. Well, I mean, that's where you keep your porn. <sighs> that's not just nude photos. That's pornography. That's child yeah. porn. Yeah. She may have been of legal age. She may have been like 18 or whatever. Whatever. Like, it's his stepdaughter. It's his stepdaughter. He claims... That he had not been really a father figure to her and had barely had any contact with her since he met her when she was eight. But that's disgusting. That's disgusting and even not true. Even if it were but true. But it's not true. What, it's like, not true. He's, th- this is Dylan's sister, and he's like lying in Dylan's bed in his underwear. Yeah. Like They live in the same house. I thought you said he didn't live with them. No, I mean, soon he... Suni and Dylan and, and Dylan Ronan all live in the same house. In the same house, like I mean, she's their sister. Obviously, she is his child. Yeah, and he is. He was definitely a parental figure to all those kids. Having sex with her. Yeah, that's like when I was like 
18. Don't worry about it. I don't need to bring, <laughs> I don't need to bring that up. Anyway, my dad so, said some things to me when I was 18, and it didn't make him any less my daddy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So in, Fuck you, Woody Allen. So that happened in January 13th, 1992, that Mia found the photos. She freaked out, called her psychologist, or called the psychologist that had been seeing, like, the children, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that was being paid by Woody Allen, and just was just freaked out she said that she had looked into pure evil that he was satanic and evil that she was terrified of him woody allen i think she confronted him well i think she didn't confront him immediately about it she just like wouldn't let like he called and she would slam the phone down or something like she she didn't want to talk to him um but he wasn't living with them so she was just trying to keep him away i think for a while but also she really wanted an explanation so she finds the photos found the photos august 1 she calls the psychologist August 4th, Woody Allen sexually abuses Dylan in the attic crawl space in their country house where he's visiting. Okay, so this all happens in 1992. Yep. And he's like, she's found me out, so I might as well just do it. I don't have much time left is I think what he was thinking probably. Gross. Okay, so then he... August asks, 5th, So a he's lot been, stuff But he's been abusing her. Oh, yeah. So this is when he like... This is when he puts her finger in, puts his finger in her. Jesus. Yeah. On August 5th. How old was she? Seven. But it had been happening since she was two at least. Like, not that, but like he'd been putting his head in her lap and like yeah. making her suck his thumb and yeah. paying a lot of attention to her and just being in chasing his underwear her around. In his she bed. would lock herself in the bathroom for four hours whenever he would come over. Oh, man. And one time one of his uh, employees had to pick the lock with a... This is very similar to my relationship with my father. He used to make me sit in his lap when he had an erection and, like, move me around on the erection. Or he would make me lay my head in his lap while he had an erection and, like, rub my head on his erection. It's so vile. Yeah. He used to make me, like, stand in front of him and pull the lips of my vagina apart so he could finger me. Ew. Yeah. That was when I was, like, two. I can, like, barely remember that. But, and I would lock myself in the bathroom to get away from him. This is actually a quote from the 1992 article. Several times last summer, while Woody was visiting in Connecticut, Dylan locked herself in the bathroom, refusing to come out for hours. Once, one of the babysitters had to use a coat hanger to pick, up, pick the lock. Dylan often complained of stomach aches and headaches when Woody visited. She would have to lie down. When he left, the symptoms would disappear. At times, Dylan became so withdrawn when her father was around that she would not speak normally, but would pretend to be an animal. And of the sexual assault, it describes that too. Daddy told her that if she stayed very still, he would he would put her in his movie and take her to Paris. He touched her private part. That's in quotation marks, private part. Dylan said she told him, it hurts, I'm just a little kid. Then she told Mia, kids have to do what grown-ups say. Mia made a tape of Dylan for Dylan's psychologist and then later she says I don't want to be in a movie with my daddy Dylan said and asked did your daddy ever do that to you it's so sad it's just poor Dylan poor Dylan so um on August 5th the day afterwards uh the babysitter tells the who I'm sure can't tell anybody directly because she's terrified probably uh tells family friend Casey Pascal who tells Mia that Woody was behaving inappropriately with Dylan, and that's the person who saw him with his head in her lap after he'd taken off her underwear. He'd taken off her underwear yeah. and put his head in her lap? Yeah. Uh, and who saw that? The babysitter. The babysitter? Mia immediately asked Dylan about it, and Dylan told her what had happened in the attic. Mia called her 
psychologist or calls the psychologist Susan Coates and told her what Dylan told told her. Stop calling the psychologist. This and this is the period of time during which the supposed coaching happened, where Mia Farrow supposedly coached Dylan to say all of that stuff oh, yeah. as revenge for being a scorned woman because she. He'd left her for a younger woman, Sunni Previn, who was... Oh, he left her for a younger her woman. Her daughter. And she was jealous. Yes, that's how he framed it. Oh, I see. That's how you he know, framed it. I've heard that before. I've heard that explanation given before for pedophiles. Yeah. And a lot of times the person who has been abused will agree with that. Sunni did. Yeah. Because you're so in under the control of your abuser, especially if they've been abusing you from childhood. And I'm sure he'd been abusing Sunyi in this. I've been, I'm sure he'd been grooming Sunyi like this. Yeah, it's called grooming. <laughs> August 13th, so like a week later, uh, Woody, Woody's lawyers show up, I guess, because he sues he sues Mia for custody of Ronan, Dylan, and Moses. Oh, okay. So once she finds out. <laughs> So this is after she's yeah. this is after she's found out he's left her for their daughter. Yes. And she's like, "Oh, you left me for my older daughter and you're sexually abusing my younger daughter." Uh-huh. You need to get out of my life. And then he sues her for custody of the kids. Yes, and he tries to claim that she's of her kids. she's abusive uh and that she has been coaching these children and like poisoning them against him. But uh, like why <laughs> If anybody's coaching them, he's coaching them. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always a smokescreen of, like, I didn't do it, you did it. It's gaslighting. It's gaslighting. Classic gaslighting behavior. It's not my fault, it's your fault. In August 17th, 1992, Woody publicly, it said he released a statement, and the way it was released was so, was, like, so cheerful. I just wrote down, Woody publicly and cheerfully acknowledges his relationship with Soon Yi, and then the Connecticut State Police began investigating Woody about his molestation of his alleged molestation of Dylan. So like really charming way to start a new relationship if what he says is all even if what he said was all true, like horrible. I didn't know that she was like had been I mean, if she was abandoned at 7 by her mom who was a sex worker, chances are that she was already like really horribly abused. She well she was and she she remembers it. She had, her mother she called her um biological mother naughty mama and mia good mama for a while when she was a kid um and she said that uh her biological mom had uh like slammed her head in a door several times sometimes when she was angry with her and then she said she was going to go get like go out to a store or something and then never and left her and never came back that's terrible yeah she's had a really terrible life and then Woody Allen's like, I Mia smell was, weakness. Mia was like, I'm going to rescue all these little babies. They need me. And Woody Allen was like, awesome. Vulnerable children for me. To prey on. To prey on. But, I mean, so many pedophiles, like, and I'm sure this is one of the ways that he justifies himself, but many, many pedophiles just think that's just how you love mm. a child. That's the correct way to love a child. My dad used to tell me that he loved me all the time. I know, yeah. August 18th, after the public statement about his relationship with Sunni and the beginning of the investigation by the Connecticut State Police about Dylan, um, Woody releases a statement saying that he's, quote, saddened, unquote, by the child abuse allegations. Oh, he's saddened. Okay. Uh, November 1992, Mia's story is published in Vanity Fair. It's uh, written by... Maureen Orth, 
You gotta love Vanity Fair. I know, right? Shout out to Vanity Fair. They're always doing weird, crazy stuff. They're like, let's interview the woman. Let's interview Mia Farrow. Um, And then also in November 1992, Woody appears on 60 Minutes to deny the allegation. March 18th, 1993, after a seven-month inquiry by Yale New Haven Hospital, a team of child abuse investigators at Yale New Haven Hospital, Woody Allen is cleared of molesting Dylan Farrow. Did they talk to Dylan? Did they meet them? She was interviewed nine times by somebody. I guess not them, because I think they never talked to her. She was interviewed by some people, but I think this team of child abuse investigators never spoke to her. Um, And then they deleted, like, got destroyed all of their notes after the investigation was over. I think it seems very clear that they were, like, paid by him or his team. But that's a conclusion I came to after reading all the information. March 19th, 1993, the custody trial begins. Uh, there's a lot of calling Mia's character into question. I didn't write all of it down. Something about her flying into rages, revenge for him leaving her for soon he, that whole thing. God. March 25th, 1993, Mia takes the stand. She tells the court what Dylan told her. She says that she's worried. She had been worried that, or that she is worried that uh, Woody had been sexually attracted to Dylan from when she was two years old. March 29th, 1993, she the, apparently, the psychologist that the Mia one that, called. That Woody Allen had been paying yeah. the whole time to well, gaslight everyone. And she was one of them. Yeah. Uh, she told Woody, apparently right after Mia talked to her, that she feared for his safety because of the threats from Mia. She said that she considered Woody's relationship with Dylan to be inappropriately intense, but not sexual. So when he was fingering her in the attic, that wasn't sexual. That was just inappropriately she believe, intense. She didn't oh, that. right. That that part's a lie. Right. Mia uh, made that up. Oh, Mia made that up. So he's just taking off her underwear and then putting his head in her lap. Mia made that up, too. I thought the... That's what the babysitter said. That oh, like the Mia... babysitter's part of it. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. April 27, 1993, child psychiatr- a child psychiatrist testifies that the report from the Yale... New Haven team is serious is quote seriously flawed unquote who said that uh, a child psychiatrist mm-hmm. testified that the report from the Yale New Haven team which cleared him of molesting which cleared him of molesting without Dylan ever Farrow. having talked to Dylan yeah yeah May 3rd 1993 Dr. John M. Leventhal head of Yale New Haven the Yale New Haven team uh, releases a statement that says Dylan was emotionally unstable and coached by Mia Farrow to accuse Woody Allen. The Yale New Haven team interviewed... Oh, wait, I guess they did. It's so confusing. She says the Yale New Haven team interviewed Dylan nine times and said that she changed details of the incident each time. Oh. They did... Somebody so did interview... So they did interview, interview her. Oh, well, that... Nine times to see if she was lying, to prove that she was lying, basically. Of course details are going to change. I think like... that they didn't even actually... They, I, my, I, the, from what I can tell, because they deleted all their notes, they destroyed all their notes. Oh, they destroyed all their notes? Yeah, they destroyed all their notes later. From what I can tell, they made the claim that she had changed details based on one thing that happened one time when, right after the incident, Mia took her to a doctor to get her, uh, like, examined mm-hmm. um, after she heard what happened and to get her to tell the doctor what had happened, um, kind of to, t- 
like see if she was okay. I don't know. Mia was like freaking out, I guess. And she asked Dylan to point, or the doctor asked Dylan to point to her private parts to like where her father had touched her. And she pointed to her shoulder. And Mia was like, why did you, later was like, why did you do that? Did, is that what you think your private parts are? Did he touch you on your shoulder? And Dylan was like, I couldn't tell the doctor. I was too embarrassed. Oh, poor Dylan. But then, then afterwards, she stuck to her story and it stayed the same forever for like 30 years not all not quite 30 years but it's getting there okay june 7th 1993 woody loses the custody battle yay hooray except uh he does still get to see ronan (laughs) and moses he successfully like convinces that it was all a lie that mia made up Oh, so Moses is on Woody's side. Yeah, Moses isn't talking to the rest of the family. He's also estranged from his wife and stuff, apparently. Not well, that's really he relevant. sounds like a charmer. Um, yeah. Uh, we're on a side in this podcast. We're on a side. <laughs> He's, he was a teenager at the time. The judge was like, he can make up his own mind. Woody can still visit his son, Ronan, with supervision. His son, Ronan, who he threatened to break his leg. Yeah. Who's and continued to son. do stuff like not that later. Son. He kicked him or something later after the custody battle. Uh. Um, Woody, uh, 1993, he loses the custody battle. Acting Justice Elliot Wilk of the state Supreme Court uh, says Woody <laughs> says Woody is, quote, self-absorbed, untrustworthy, and insensitive, unquote, and denies visitation with Dylan. Like, any visitation. Oh, good. I think for six months. But I think she, she never saw him again after that. Good. Which is good. Good for Dylan. Um, in se- on September 4th, 1993, Connecticut State's attorney Frank Mako says that even though he has probable cause to prosecute Woody Allen, he declines to press charges in order to spare Dylan the trauma of a trial. Oh, God, he I He believes hate Dylan that. was molested. Well, I hate it too. And I don't really, I'm don't not a big blame, fan of this you're guy. you're too much of a coward to actually... If you're too no, if you're too much of a coward to press charges against a molester, do not put the blame for that on not wanting to put the survivor through it. Yeah. Because they want justice. We want justice. Yeah. And Dylan continues to say that she feels really guilty that she didn't testify against her father and that he continued to be allowed around young girls yeah. because of this. Cuz you know he didn't stop. And and this you know guy it wasn't just has Dylan said that or Sunni. it wouldn't. I don't know. He said that he didn't think it would happen again. No, that he didn't think that they would win the case. Oh well, they probably wouldn't. But um, at least he would have been charged. Yeah, January nineteen ninety four, Woody files an appeal to the custody case. May nineteen ninety four, the appeal is denied. December twenty third, nineteen ninety seven, Woody marries Sunni. Make sure to enunciate. Don't start mumbling just because what you're saying is terrible. In December 23rd, 1997, Woody marries Soon Yi. In 2001, Woody, Woody is interviewed in Time Magazine, and he talks about his relationship with Soon Yi. He says, the heart wants what it wants. Oh, the heart wants what it wants. He denies the allegations again in this interview. His heart wants what his heart wants, and yeah. Soon Yi is just a mentally disabled adopted daughter of his that just you know she must want him too she also wrote a piece somewhere like an opinion piece somewhere that she submitted or a statement 
that um, said, I'm not some retarded underage flower that he raped and, and, and like, and brainwashed or something like that. And like her whole entire, everybody that knew her in her life was like, she doesn't talk that way. And a lot of the words in this statement, she doesn't understand. And it sounds exactly like Woody Allen wrote this. And I was just horrified. On June 17th, 20, we skip a lot of time here because nothing happens for a long time and nobody cares. (laughs) June 17th, 2012, Ronan Farrow tweets, happy Father's Day, or as they call it in my family, happy brother-in-law's day. Because he's great. Uh, November 2013, Dylan goes on the record for the first time in a Vanity Fair interview. And in January 12th, 2014, uh, Woody had just received a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Golden Globes, accepted on his behalf by Diane Keaton because he didn't want to go for some reason. But because of this uh, Lifetime Achievement Award, uh, I wrote down, excellent baby brother and hashtag me too avenging angel running Pharaoh t- tweets that, uh, quote, Missed the Woody Allen tribute. Did they put the part where a woman publicly confirmed he molested her at age seven before or after Annie Hall? (laughs) It just goes, it just, what it just really comes down to is like, people don't believe Dylan because Woody Allen is... Or she doesn't matter. I mean... Or both. Both. Yeah. Because if she mattered, you would have to believe her. That's the thing. Okay, let's get through this timeline. This is really depressing It's almost at the end. There's a bunch of stuff that doesn't really matter after this, uh... After this next one, uh, February 1st, 2014 is uh, Dylan's open letter in the in New York Times, which I read at the time it came out, I think, approximately. And also Mia tweeted about the same time, I love my daughter. I will always protect her. A lot of ugliness is going to be aimed at me, but this is not about me. It's about her truth. A bunch of actors take sides. Ronan Farrow continues to write about how he believes his sister. There's a bunch of Weinstein stuff, the hashtag Me Too movement kind of gets into full swing in 2017. Dylan wrote another article in 2017 called Why is the hashtag MeToo revolution spared Woody Allen? Colin Firth said he would never work with uh, Woody Allen again. Oh, I was really disappointed uh, to read that Javier Bardem uh, takes a gross pro-Woody side. Oh, what a, what a shock. Um, and then there was, in, in this year, or not this year, sorry, September 2016, 28, or t- September 16th, 2018, there was a New York Magazine interview with uh, Sun Yi that was very long, and Woody Allen sat in on parts of the conversation, which seems just very suspicious. She talks about how uh, Mia Farrow was a really harsh parent and defended Woody. And they also brought up that, like, the interviewer asked Woody Allen if he thought Ronan Farrow was his son, and he was like, uh, "Probably, I think probably he is my son, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. But yeah, I think he's my son." So he's like both claiming, I feel like he's really splitting the difference in a way that really benefits him in that in that statement. He's like saying he's claiming ownership of Ronan Farrow, but also saying that Mia Farrow is a slut, basically, just like casting aspersions on her. Yeah. Which I'm glad he's probably not Woody Allen's son. What a relief. Yeah, what a relief for, Dil- for Ronan. Dylan taught tweets about that piece that, quote, the author has written about her friendship and, fat- and infatuation with Woody Allen. The idea of letting the friend of an alleged predator write a one-sided piece attacking the credibility of his victim is disgusting, unquote. And that is the story. Isn't it terrible? Amazing. Horrible. Did you have any, like, standout quotes from Dylan Farrow's open letter that you want to share? Yeah. Her beginning and ending are really great. She says, uh... Okay, so this is from the... What year was the open letter? This is the 2014 open letter. The 2014 open letter. 
What's your favorite Woody Allen movie? Before you answer, you should know. When I was seven years old, Woody Allen took me by the hand and led me into a dim, closet-like attic on the second floor of our house. He told me to lay on my stomach and play with my brother's electric train set. Then he sexually assaulted me. He talked to me while he did it, whispering that I was a good girl, that this was our secret, promising that we'd go to Paris and I'd be a star in his movies. I remember staring at that toy train, focusing on it as it traveled in its circle around the attic. To this day, I find it difficult to look at toy trains. The whole thing is very good. Well, at everybody the, should go read the whole at thing. At the end, she brings it full circle. Oh, wait. Near the end, she says, she talks about Hollywood. Uh, she says, what if it had been your child, Kate Blanchett? Louis C.K., Alec Baldwin? What if it had been you, Emma Stone? Or you, Scarlett Johansson? You knew me when I was a little, gr little girl, Diane Keaton. Have you forgotten me? Woody Allen is a living testament to the way our society fails the survivors of sexual assault and abuse. So imagine your seven-year-old daughter being led into an attic by Woody Allen. Imagine she spends a lifetime stricken with nausea at the mention of his name. Imagine a world that celebrates her tormentor. Are you imagining that? Now, what's your favorite Woody Allen movie? And this was written right after he was given that lifetime achievement by the Golden Globes, which Diane Keaton accepted on his behalf because he didn't want to bother to show up. Diane Keaton has defended him against the accusations, as has Alec Baldwin, as has um, Kate Blanchett actually kind of was like, well, I don't really know what happened. I don't care who's defended him. I, you know, it. what it goes down to with the people that defend him is like, I read a quote the other day on somebody's Instagram that said, uh, just because abusers don't abuse every person they meet, just because they didn't abuse you doesn't mean they didn't abuse someone and it's like is woody allen going to abuse alec baldwin <laughs> no abusers abuse people who are vulnerable they abuse people that they have access to and who were vulnerable and that's who he's abused and it's just like the reason they abuse people that they have access to and who are vulnerable is that they can get away with it because we don't care about vulnerable people in our society we only care about the people with power and how we can continue to protect the people who have power and he has a lot of money so he has a lot of power there were several people who in 2017 had like worked with him on this one film and decided to donate their salaries from working on that they, they said they regretted working with him and they donated their salaries from working on that film to charities uh for survivors of sexual violence that's nice which is good, I guess. I think that's good. Um, Ellen Page also said she uh, wished she'd never worked with him. Well, I, for one, 100% believe Dylan Farrow. I 100% believe Mia Farrow. Yeah. I, I recognize as a person who was sexually abused as a child by their father. Excuse me. I recognize those strategies. I recognize those grooming styles. I recognize that gaslighting. That is all textbook abuser. Um, they always try to twist it around so that it's your fault. They always try to say you're the crazy one while they're, but if you just look at actions, if you don't look at, listen to words, this is what I had to learn to do in order to survive my abuse is I had to stop listening to what my father said. And I had to just think about what he did because what he said and what he did were two completely different things, you know, and like you could live in a world of lies or you can live in a world of action. You know, and what are the actions that Woody Allen committed? Woody Allen married his 21-year-old daughter. He married his 21-year-old stepdaughter. 
Yeah. He did do that. He sexually abused his seven-year-old adopted daughter. He physically abused his supposedly biological son. Who he resented for not being a daughter. He is... (laughs) That he could have sexually abused. An abuser. He is an abuser. People have come forward against him. And we believe survivors. Yeah. I mean, I unquestionably believe Dylan Farrow. I don't think that there's ever been... I just think it needs Any to be stated. Doubt. Like it's it does it shouldn't need to be stated, but it does need to be stated unequivocally. Yeah. There is no oh he said she said there is no other stories. We're on a side in this case. Yeah. And it's fucking Dylan Farrow's side. Dylan, thank you for coming forward. I'm sorry how shitty the world has been to you. I totally understand. I hope you hear this podcast one day. I want you to know that we support you. A thousand and one percent. Yeah. Fuck Woody Allen. Give me a call. We'll go. We'll kill Woody Allen. Then we'll go kill my dad. (laughs) And then they'll send us to prison for a million years. Because the crime of fighting back against your accuser is punished much more harshly. Or fighting back against your abuser, not accuser. Your abuser is punished much more harshly in this world than actually being an abuser. The system protects abusers. Woody Allen a few times was quoted as uh, saying a couple of things in defense of Harvey Weinstein when uh, well, of course. that was coming out. Because, of course, they, they're a band. They band together. That's what, you know, the, tr- the Trump era has really shown me how many rapists there are in the world. I used to think it was, like, just my dad. And then, you know, all the men in my family were also, like, sexually abusing their kids. And I was like, well, I guess it's just the Davenports or whatever fuck you Davenports if you know a Davenport in St. Louis Missouri and they have a dick chances are they're a rapist watch out for those fuckers but it's not just them it's not just them that's the thing that's what I've learned like the older I've gotten is that it's a it's an epidemic they're everywhere yeah and like that's what people Trump's base they love him because he's a rapist yes and they see themselves in him they're proud of him and they're scared they're scared of the Me Too movement yeah I think that that the Me Too movement like directly contributed to Donald Trump getting elected in some ways. I thought it happened in reaction to him getting elected. It was happening like almost at exactly the same. It was all in 2016 and that's when the election and like all of these women started coming forward against him as he was running. Yeah. And that was that's part true. that was part of I the Me Too that thing. That gave him a lot of And like it like some people didn't want to vote for him because of it, but I really think that some people did want to vote for him. I think some people were like, yes. Some people were like, good for you. This is the kind of world we need to go back to. We need to go back to our traditional values of just letting people like Woody Allen rape their kids and nobody says anything about it because that's their business. And he's such a genius. You can't press charges against him. He's an artist. We're, we're coming up on over. Is there anything you would like to say to wrap up this? No, Dylan but we Farrow? do have our outro segments. Yet again, I don't have a survivor tip. Uh, my survivor tip is don't listen when people tell you that just because you can't remember what happened in microscopic detail exactly the way it happened exactly the same way every single time that doesn't mean that you made it up for a hundred percent like do not believe that because nobody human memory doesn't work that way nobody remembers things that way that is not your memory is not a cam recorder first of all and it's made even worse if you're upset like if you have some kind of like upset if anything is stressing you out at the time if it's like a traumatic situation at all 
Like your brain has barriers that it puts into place so that you literally cannot form memories. So it's hard to remember trauma. And people often use that against you and try to say, this didn't happen to you, you're remembering it completely falsely. But don't let them lie to you. Don't let them make you think that you are not, don't let them make you doubt yourself because it did happen. Yeah. You wouldn't invent something like that. If you have the memories of it, they weren't planted by somebody. You know, my fucking mother used to tell me that all the time, that the, somebody planted those memories. And like, what the fuck are you talking about? I do have a survivor tip. That's my survivor tip. What's your survivor tip? That's a great tip? survivor tip. Thank you. This is obviously a case that's close to my heart. I feel a lot of... Yeah. I, fe I really feel Dylan Farrow and like what she's been through and what people have said to her about it. Fuck Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. Fuck Woody Allen. He's disgusting. Yeah. He's a gross, ugly, not that great director. Whose films are gross and ugly and full His of references to pedophilia. Gross. His films are really gross. Can we just like, ugh. Like, I used to watch his films, and I was like, there's a lot of sex in this, but I guess I can overlook it. This, like... There's so much entitlement some, to sex. Some men are just obsessed with sex, and you just have to, like, overlook that. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no. He's not just obsessed with sex. He's a pedophile. He's obsessed with, He's obsessed like, with sex with children. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know if anybody out there needs to hear this, but that's wrong. Update. It's wrong. As a child that an adult had sex with, it fucks you up for the rest of your life. The rest of your life. My survivor tip is get a pet. I don't care if I've said it before. Get a pet. Good when survivor tip. When you're having a breakdown on the floor of your room for whatever reason, uh, it's always good to have a pet around. I couldn't leave my house and then I got a dog. Dogs can be really amazing if you have a lot of PTSD just having a dog. Like... I didn't think it would be such a dr dramatic difference when Oliver moved in with me, but I started sleeping so much better just knowing that there was a dog in the house somewhere that would bark Even back if when somebody you... tried to come in. Even when you were afraid she was going to kill you? Yeah, because <laughs> Oliver's dog is kind of crazy, and she's doing much better now, but when he first adopted her, she wasn't necessarily the most friendly, Yeah. Uh, and I was a, a little bit like, this dog is going to kill me. It's, it was still like, it was like comforting. I was like, oh, this dog is going to kill any person that tries to come into this house for sure, though. You know, all those secret people that are trying to break in. But it's hard when you spent the first 18 years of your life barricading your bedroom door to try to keep your dad out. And then your, your psychologist is like, Bailey, uh, no one is coming for you anymore. And it's like, okay, well, somebody was coming for me for a long time. And my whole brain developed with that. Anyway, sorry. This is very. This is just bringing up a lot of stuff for me. <laughs> I mean, that's... This is not an episode about me. This is an episode about Dylan. Dylan Farrow really, I mean, really resonates. But Dylan is about all of us. Yeah. You know, what they did to Dylan, they did to us all. Yes, they did. And it seems like it's, it really is implemented, like, uh, like, symbolic of how, like, even if you are a child who is born into a wealthy famous well-loved family it doesn't matter even you if you're white even if you're beautiful the most even if you're rich it worked against her in some ways because her father her rapist was also also a thousand times more white powerful rich and protected than she or her mother was 
at least my dad is like a like nobody yeah you know like nobody and people have still people strangers still tell me to my face i don't have any proof of what my dad did to me and i'm like my dad is some 79 year old fat alcoholic unemployed carpenter he has no power he has no authority nobody knows who he is just the idea that i have a father and i said he abused me is enough that people think they have the right to tell me that i'm wrong and they never met my dad my dad is nothing to them in fact if they did meet my dad they would probably cross the street to get away from him because he smells bad that's the kind of like low-key trashy loser he is you know and like just the idea that I would that I would say that I was abused by anyone is enough for people to tell me that I'm a liar. So I can't even imagine what Mia Farrow had to go through when Woody Allen is like beloved the world over. Yeah. You can't even say some like piece of shit bully that nobody likes. Like even his family hates him, you know? The things strangers have felt they could say to me. Woody Allen's uh uh, actually, people in the, their family expressed concern about Woody Allen's behavior towards Dylan Farrow. Lots of people, including Mia Farrow's mother, who saw him putting suntan lotion on Dylan Farrow when she was a child, and he like started putting his finger in her butt crack, and was like immediately like like was like very alarmed and was like, "How do you want to be remembered by your children?" And he was like, "As a good father." What a freak. Uh, and his mother, he would, like, take his kids to visit his mother, who he apparently hated, and she was disturbed by how he acted. Everybody is disturbed by how he acted. Every single person in their lives was disturbed by how he acted. he's a fucking pedophile. So... So we close out the show with um, resources for survivors, including the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which can be found via the website at suicidepreventionlifeline.org or 1-800 or or you can call 1-800-273-8255 relevant to this episode in particular as with many of our episodes is RAIN the Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network which can be found at uh, www.rainrain.org um, and you can also call them at 1-800-656-HOPE, which is in numbers 1-800-656-4673. There's also, for trans listeners, the Trans Lifeline, which is translifeline.org or 877-565-8860. Listeners. Listeners, there's a war going on out there. And in the immortal, the immortal words of Audre Lorde, your silence will not protect you. This is a this is kind of a rough one because it in some ways it seems like maybe Dylan's silence could have protected her, but it she would have just continued to have been abused. That's a lie. Oh, also our website is uh you can email us. Please email oh, us. Please email us your survivor story. Anybody you want us to feature or, or your any own suggested story. featured survivor. Uh it's at it's a survivor team go at gmail.com. Our website is survivorteamgo.com uh please rate and review our podcast because it helps us uh be seen by more like reach a wider audience uh that would be a great way to support us we don't ask for money (laughs) 
We never ask for money. We never ask for money. It's a free podcast. This is a free podcast. If you want other survivors to see our podcast, we don't have a review. we don't have a subscription level. We don't have special. No Patreon. No Patreon. <laughs> Uh, if you want to donate money to us, I would suggest that you take that money and you find your local domestic violence shelter. Or RAIN. Or RAIN, and you donate that money to that organization. I always recommend Lydia's House in St. Louis, Missouri. Be safe out there, survivors. Bye! Yay!